Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the making of it. Barnes has come in. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. There's no Matt Messiano today as we've had to drop him for a lack of discipline. Instead, you're going to have to do make do with Jordan Weimer and myself, Tom Bedell. Jordan, how are you doing? Yeah, doing very well. Uh, good to be back. And yeah, back in the front too. So change of shape for, for Watford, change of shape for us. Yeah, good point. Very fitting. What a, what a seamless link. If I was better prepared, I would have, I would have gone down that route myself. <laughs> Well, four changes, and, and as you allude to, uh, most significantly, the, the change in shape from 4-3-3 to a kind of 3-4-1-2, 3-4-3. Did we see this coming? And what was the thinking? Was it a case of kind of counteracting Middlesbrough or, or trying to get more out of our players? Well, I think, you know, in terms of seeing it coming, I think that the performance against Leeds was so far off um, we thought there's maybe potential there you know we've seen, seen us kind of switch to a three at times this season generally later on in the game when we're chasing it but you know I was, I was a little bit surprised to be honest with you and I think maybe looking to go a little bit more direct at times and, and changing that that shape kind of helped facilitate that but you know I was a little bit surprised we kind of allowed ourselves to be the reactive team against Middlesbrough we knew, we, we knew they'd come here and try and retain the ball and I'm, I'm a little bit surprised we allowed them to do that I thought we could have you know been a little bit more proactive and a bit more confident in our in our shape and and back ourselves to to be able to play against Middlesbrough in, in a normal way so I was a little bit disappointed um, personally how about you? Yeah I was pretty surprised I have to say it's ironic, I suppose, or, or amusing in that I think we all probably expected him to come in and play with a back three, given that's what he'd done previously in, in this country. And it, it really hasn't been the case. But it, it seemed a little bit of an overreaction when you think that we were at home to a Middlesbrough side that had only just got their first win of the season um, against Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't it? Who were, who were not in great shape themselves. And also a Middlesbrough side that came with one up front. I kind of think that, you know, unless you're doing it for the purposes of uh, you know, getting those wing backs involved or, or something else, then in the Middlesbrough side that plays with one up front maybe isn't the, the the opportunity to do it. And 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 also, and we'll come on to this, what it took out of the team, Mateus Martins has been one of, if not our best performer this season. And it took him out of the team. And he's one of the few players, I think, that, you know, provides a bit of pace, provides a bit of ingenuity and off-the-cuff play and, and suddenly you're putting a lot of onus on the wing-backs, neither of whom I felt looked particularly comfortable doing mm. that role, um, you know, going in, particularly in the sense of going forward. Um, yeah, I, ju- I just think we're pretty, you know, lacking in pace at the best of times and, and lacking kind of forward thrust at other times. And, and yeah, it kind of felt like it handicapped us a little bit in reality. What what did it look like for you in terms of that shape, the roles that they kind of took up and, and were there any success stories from it or anything that you would take away and, and use again? 
I mean, yeah, firstly on, on Martins, I think that was a you know huge blow. I think he's you know, he's kept us in games at times, right? It's been him that's allowed us to stay in games and you know, he's an important player for us. So unless he was physically unavailable, I wouldn't I can't think of why you'd drop him in in a lot of ways. But in terms of the shape itself, I thought we just looked I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with switching the shape, but I thought the execution that's really lost. I thought we were, we had no kind of cohesiveness, no cohesion in possession. It was, it was kind of all over the place. We were very, very loose in possession. We were struggling to find our way forward. What you said about the, the, the wing backs was correct. You know, we, we didn't really have any success down that, down the right or left. And, you know, and Gakia has, has had some okay games this season, but he's also had some poor ones. I thought this one really kind of, emphasized our thoughts on him as a as a wing back he just doesn't have the the carrying ability or the, the use in pos- or the use of possession to to make himself effective as, as an attacking player or in offensive situations and you know things really broke down lewis i thought was relatively passive as well didn't really get too much joy offensively either um and yeah, we just looked kind of like the worst version of ourselves. I thought in possession that we, we we've seen this season at least there wasn't much interplay with the forwards. You know, barely a, a pass between them. Didn't really get up to them that well. You know, most of our joy came from kind of long direct forward balls from the back back line into the strikers and and capitalising on mistakes. So yeah, just a really um, not inspiring performance offensively in in terms of the shape and defensively. I thought we were all over the place at times you know the, yeah. the, the centre backs got pulled around quite a lot the outside centre backs in particular Wesley Hoot was you know sucked in on a few occasions as was Ryan Porteous and you know the midfield was non-existent at times we were walked through and it was way way too easy for Middlesbrough to exploit that and you know we just didn't really bring any of the positives that you'd hope that would come with the with the change of shape that none of the things that you would assume were planned on happening happened and you know I thought we were quite poor uh, from a pressing sense as well you know we didn't really capitalize having that that two striker kind of unit to to work from off the ball um and, and we just saw it really fall apart I don't really have too many positives to to draw from the shape <laughs> itself do you no I, I I don't the only one I would have maybe touched upon would have been Espria I thought showed some wasn't a, a vintage display necessarily, but showed some kind of flashes of what he can do with a couple of nice kind of balls. There was the one, obviously, wasn't there that mm-hmm. uh, Bayo rounded Seni Dieng, and I don't know, maybe he could have done better. It looked like the angle was against him, and he was kind of weights was on his right hand side, so he was kind of falling as it as it went. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how harshly to judge that. I was at the other end of the of the ground, um, but uh, I'm surprised he stayed in his feet to take the shot. I'm always surprised he didn't just kind of see the ball getting away from him and just kind of slide and lunge it and just kind of hit it across mm. goal like he, no, the fact that he tried to stay on his feet just kind of brought him off balance and I, I just just looked like that's how it was going to go but yeah no, you're right Aspria was one of the positives um, in terms of personnel uh, but it, yeah it, it was it was disappointing for sure you mentioned the pressing it felt very passive didn't it and, and particularly kind of illustrative in the I think it was the second goal I'm right in saying where Seni Dien kind of Clips one, it's it's hooked on by somebody around the centre circle. Somebody else picks it up under no pressure whatsoever, rolls it into Riley McGree, and, and he even has time to let it kind of go across his body onto his left foot and, and, and place it in the corner. They were both soft goals, those, those first two in particular. What was that down to? Was that a, a systematic issue? Certainly sat where I was, it, it kind of felt like... You know, their their players were able to kind of run off the back of our central defenders, as you say, particularly those outside, to uh, uh, will, and there was a kind of queue of them waiting to waiting to score. Yeah, I think I, I have to go back and look at them all, but I think that might have been the worst goal we've conceded this season hmm. in, a, in, a, in a way. That'll it was fun just poor to let it drop in there, and yeah, I know I, I'm actually dreading that task now. <laughs> but yeah, it's just really, really poor in, in terms of the the reasoning for it. I mean, you know, no no system is drawn up to allow for that much space in midfield. There's there's no way, no matter what you're playing, they should be able to drop that ball in there so calmly and and there'd be so much time for the for the midfield to to pick it up and, and drive forward. You know, it was it was really, really poor. Um you know, I just uh, I think we have to we have to kind of look at the two shapes we've kind of lined up in now, you know, our kind of starting formation, starting system. 
we've become quite competent at it in a lot of ways. Now we've we've had issues there at times. Obviously, we've conceded, we've struggled to score at times. But in general, the one thing we can say is we look coached. We look like we know what we're doing. You know, players know where they're supposed to be and where their teammates are supposed to be. And even when it hasn't quite clicked, often it's been down to kind of individual errors or just not being able to capitalize on on opportunities. But the the change in shape, this system, we just looked so so lost. We looked like guys that were out on that pitch, not really kind of knowing their role as such and. Uh, and we just didn't have that level of um, that level of tempo we can play with because we have that anticipation. We can we're able to anticipate our teammates around us. We didn't have any of that, um, and I think that worked on the ball and off the ball. You know, you could see in, in terms of pressing and setting traps, there was no real plan, no real um, no real kind of set set idea of, as to how we're going to do that, and it just just didn't didn't come about. And you can't. I think it kind of emphasized too the lack of quality that we have. Maybe um, to you can't just let these players go out there and play because there's there's a there's a big drop off between that and and our starting system in my opinion no quite agree let's just talk, touch on the midfield quickly uh, probably the area that was least affected in terms of change but it, it felt like it was entirely absent our midfield for certainly the first half but long periods of the game it felt like an area that Middlesbrough dominated and in particular for me anyway Matt Crooks seemed to be just absolutely everywhere and 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 we were never able to get near him or close him down and, and maybe on another day if Sierra Alta was pushed forward into that position position he would have done a bit of a more of a stifling job on him but you know one minute he was kind of up front in a kind of more of a false nine role what next minute he's picking the ball up off the back four he's going wide he just seemed to have that whole center of the field to himself was there anything in that and what what did you make of the the performance of the midfield I thought I just I mean they were just so easy to cut through weren't they I think the the yeah. way that Middlesbrough used both their fullbacks and you know they got them up nice nice and wide nice and high and uh, kind of forced our our wing backs into defensive positions a lot of the game and because they were able to get the ball so so effectively forward and, and dominate that space it just it just created such holes in midfield and the way that Dele Bashiru and Imran Luz were having to kind of split to try and cover gaps it just made it impossible for them really and it was it was not something we were able to to manage and I think you know again you know we talk about the pressing you would like to think you could stop a team playing out the back when you're when you're set up in a, a three five two and you're a pressing team you'd like to think you can avoid that but you know Middlesbrough decided to take it on and they they did it quite comfortably you know I think there's a level of uh, maybe a tactical mismatch but also the execution being poor as well uh, the midfield was not good they had a bad day and you know Tom Dele Bashiri has had some some really good games this season Imran Luz has had a couple as well but they looked quite off the pace and they looked yeah. exposed and I think that's you know against a team like Middlesbrough obviously they just picked up the first win previously but they are a team that can hurt you, especially with possession. And you know you've got to be you've got to be sure that you can match them up in the in the key areas. And one thing you can't do is allow um, allow them to dominate through the middle. And you know how many times do you see them pick up the ball and think how how much space could they possibly have? And they still drive through. We looked outnumbered at all times, and mm, and that's not yeah. that's not good when you when you shouldn't be. No, no, absolutely right. Um, you touched on it. You mentioned his name. You brought his name up there. I should say. Um, loser, Imran Loser. I was really struggling to remember what his first name was there, which was good. Um, Imran Loser seemed to be someone that copped a lot of flack on Do Not Scratch Your Eyes post-match Twitter space, which I tuned into quite a lot of and caught the rest on the podcast. What did what do we make of that? There's the, the accusation seems to be that he doesn't want to be here. Is that something that you see in his performances or or not? Um I'm not sure if he doesn't want to be here. I mean, he just signed a new contract last season. I think he's someone that you know knows he could be playing at a, a decent level. He's a good player, but we have to see it from him consistently. You know, he doesn't get a free pass because he he can be good. He's had some poor games um, the last couple of weeks, and you know, I think with Imran, you, you need to put him in a position to to maximise his ability. And I think we got to see him as quite an advanced eight at times. And I think that really suits his game, you know, allow him to allow him to, to press a little higher up, but also allow him to be in those offensive positions. And I think the, I don't know his character. We, you know, we're making assumptions and stuff like that. He definitely seems to have dropped off a little bit since the kind of disciplinary issue. Um, I don't know if that's related or not. It could be coincidental, but um, I think you have to be allowing him to to, to be in a in a position which maximizes his skill set, and you know we, we do capitalize from it because he's he's one of the better players in the league at doing what he does. But obviously, when he's not there, the drop off in performance can be quite quite large and, and bigger than you'd want. So, you know, I, I think on on days that you have a bad game, he's going to kind of 
be at the forefront of that. But you know, on on the flip side, I think he can also be a key figure in in the positive performances too. But you know, yesterday wasn't wasn't ideal. You know, the midfield situation wasn't good for him or Dele Bashiri, But maybe people's standards are a little higher for for Imran. Yeah, I do wonder, given that we know what he can do and 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 the way he can impact games and and has even this season that yeah that he's kind of judged more harshly and I think there's also an element I would suspect thrown into the mix of the the dropping against Blackburn for a, a disciplinary thing I wonder if you know people are kind of putting two and two together there and, and getting five rather than rather than four but yeah in, in truth I suspect we shall never know um Ismail took the blame afterwards, very candid in what he said in his post-match interview. He said, I'm not happy with myself. Today is on me, the first half particularly. I decided to change shape and change something tactically. It didn't work out like I expected, especially when the opponents score a goal early. That raised the doubt and the confidence of the players goes low and I can't blame the players for that. Fair in what he says? Is is this one one that rests largely with him or do you put kind of more of the onus on the the?" execution of it and some of the individual errors by players who ought to do better on the day. No, I think I think what he said is fair. You know, he's obviously taking some of that weight off the players' shoulders there too. They have a part to play, obviously. Um, I think the execution was was a factor for sure. Uh, but you know, I think he's he's accurate in saying that he tried something didn't quite work. You know, expected something different, and he reverted to it. And to be fair to him, he did revert at half time, and and things did look better for a while. But you know, I think it's. Um, these are opportunities for him to kind of really see, you know, what he has at his disposal. And, and it's just more of a learning opportunity, I hope, than a, a, a massive negative, these sorts of defeats. But, you know, he he did try something which wasn't successful. And I, again, we were a little bit surprised that he did that, you know, considering the matchup. But, you know, he, he's also had he's had a lot of joy with a similar shape at, at other clubs. So it's not that he can't do that. He should be allowed to try it. And unfortunately, we did get punished. You know, I think on, on another day, um, slightly better execution and performance than the players. And you don't get punished to the same degree that we did against Middlesbrough. But um, yeah, that's what happens when you, you kind of throw some of these players into that sort of role, I guess. As someone else who kind of has been apportioned blame, is Daniel Backman, some suggesting that at least two of the three goals he was at fault for, if not all three. I must admit, I'm having a hard time aligning with that view. I can understand why it, it might be kind of prevalent. The first goal in particular, you know, is never a great look when you get beaten at the near post like that. He kind of gets made to look silly, but I think it's just a good finish. I mean, the second one is clearly a good finish steered right in the corner and, and then there's maybe a question on the, the, the third that he doesn't commit either way to going down quickly or, or coming out fully do, do you put any of the blame at his door for those goals he was obviously exposed on all on two of three but what do you reckon yeah I think he had a bad game uh, I, mm. I think he looked I think he he looked um, he looks to me like a player that isn't <laughs> He looks to me like a player that's not confident in his own ability at times. You know, I think he he's questioning decisions. He's making strange decisions. He's not playing to the best of his ability, that's for sure. We've seen him play, you know, to a better standard. Um, but I, I think he's he's making mistakes in areas where I wouldn't expect him to necessarily make mistakes. You know, I think when it came to to kind of looking at or projecting where we'd see the positives and negatives from uh, in Dan Backman this season. I would have anticipated more the you know, asking of him to to play around at the back of the ball a little more and asking him to use his feet some more. That would be the issue for me. But, you know, we're seeing it kind of pop up in in terms of saves. And obviously the great game against Leeds, you know, his 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 saves weren't enough to to get anything from that game. But I, I thought there were definitely opportunities for him to <laughs> To, to to make saves and come up and, and keep us in the game that we we're struggling in and he, he wasn't able to do so. I thought the goals were quite poor from from a keeper perspective. And obviously it wasn't just him uh, that, that led to that situation. But I, I do think that his input or was not was not up to the standard we need from a goalkeeper. Honestly, I think it was below. Fair enough. Uh, are you a little content. bit more? Are you a little bit more? Um, yeah, I just, positive one. Yeah, only in the. So the first one, I feel like he ends up looking foolish as I say, because it kind of goes past him at the near post. You, you, you don't expect the player to shoot there, I think, right? The the bigger part of the goal is to his left. So I can kind of I can kind of give him that one. The second one, I just think, is a really good finish, right? He's let it run across his body and steered it in the corner. The third one is the only one where maybe I'd say, eh. uh, and even then, I don't think it, like it's an egregious error. You either 
come out more fully, more quickly and, and get down at the player's feet or go down a bit quicker, maybe. But I don't, you know, I don't look at, I didn't, I didn't look at it at the time. And I've, having watched it back since, looked at it and thought, oh God, keeper, you've got to, you know, you've got to do better there. But I, I will admit, and I'm quite happy to say this and, and put it on the record, that I'm probably not entirely impartial on Dan Backman because I think, as many will know or remember from earlier in the summer, I was a lot more pro him at the time of the captaincy and the new contract than than a lot of people were. And I think it's become such a black and white binary issue now, hasn't it, that every game turns into a great debate over is Backman... Um, you know, the the hero or the villain. There's no kind of in between. So, you know, I and I'm definitely on the more positive end of the scale there. So I'm quite prepared to admit that I may be a little bit blinkered in in that regard. Um do you have the goals up in front of you now or no? Just because there's been a fair amount of discussion and in, in regards to the goal. I'm I'm happy to, to have a look again and kind of maybe go through it a little bit. Yeah, go on then. Okay. Yeah. So the first one here is just as as that as that ball comes across, you know, I'm just looking at him coming out of his goal. He's just his his positioning, like his starting positioning, is just very like that near post from the from the as soon as we as soon as Middlesbrough enter the box, his positioning is odd, right? Like he's he's not he's not coming to close. Obviously, he hopes Siriata gets across, but if Siriata is getting across, surely surely you're only really looking to cover the near post and then dive across if needed, right? Like mm, he's just leaving that yeah. near post open. It just seems seems you see what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I get. So I know this is a terrible format for for a for well, an audio only podcast, but I just want to. I suspect the goals are, se- look, are, are seared in people's minds anyway. To be fair, no, I do, I do get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying, and I have actually seen. I suspect I know what you might say about the positioning on the second goal, but go on, talk to us about that one as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, this is not obviously just. This is not just an issue of um, of Backman for the second goal. There's a lot more at play here, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the real thing for the second goal for me, once that ball gets played across to the edge of the box into the, you know, it's pretty much central almost, you know, almost in line with the penalty spot. Mm. His feet are planted in the left of his goal. He's not shuff- He's not. He's not moving to get in position. He's not tracking the ball almost. He's just kind of like stayed at that near post, and he's slowly taking some side steps. And I mean, when the shot's taken, just look at his position when the shot's taken. We've got Siriata in the middle is reacting by opening his body and trying to close the sh- shot and block the shot. And Dan Backman still stood right to the left of his goal. He's, he's definitely not central, is he? When he starts to dive, he's on the left of his goal. And look, I mean, I know we're breaking down things that are happening in, in seconds and, and slowing it down and looking at it frame by frame but I think if you're a goalkeeper you're looking back at that if you're a goalkeeper coach you're disappointed because you, you know you've got to be on the move and for some of reason course. he's, he's those not, are the he's... margins this is you know not top level yeah. but bloody high level sport these are the margins and I'm sure this is the you know these are the discussion I don't know who the goalkeeper coach is these days I must admit but I'm sure these are the discussions they're having I'm sure they have watched the footage back together right you're not doing your job properly if you don't I would yeah. say um, yeah yeah. to be fair I guess the, the point is I've, I saw it at the time I was sat fairly directly behind the goal middle of the rookery and I've watched it back since in real time but this is the first time I've watched it back and actually you know hit pause at the exact moment that the ball leaves McGree's boot no so, I think yeah. I think in in live action it's, it's less it's less damning because it does happen so quick yeah. but when you when you just look back at his footwork at his at his positioning there as soon as that ball comes across the box if you're a centre back you're tracking inside you're shifting your body inside you're you know you're following the ball across as soon as yeah. that ball comes back in you know for a goalkeeper to he's not even taking the half step he's just kind of like staying in that near post position not sure if he's expecting a you know a quick pass back out or he was just slow to get back in but you know he's he's leaving the goal open and, and to be fair to Middlesbrough they were very opportunistic when it came to finishing because these aren't you know if you look at any of their goals I'd say any of the three maybe with exception to the third perhaps but all of those opportunities, if you're in a normal game situation, the finishes that were taken are not the standard are not the standard finishes you expect. You know, you'd expect a cross goal. You wouldn't expect them to, to kind of take that inside near post, but they're doing it because it's open. You know, they're, they're taking mm-hmm. advantage of the positioning there. I don't think those shots are being taken otherwise. And I think that, you know, that says a lot about his positioning and uh, and what the, opp- what the opponents were able to identify in real time. You know, this isn't, these aren't happening in a split second on occasion too. You know, they've got time to analyze and say, okay, he's, Leaving that near post open, I'm just going to slot it bottom corner, and I think that's a that's a problem. I think it's I think it's basic goalkeeping positioning and and fundamentals that aren't being stuck to, and you know maybe that's harsh. I'd like to hear a counter to that because um, I'm not 
I'm not trying to just pile on back when, you know, for no reason. I'm, that's just kind of my opinion, but it doesn't look great to me. No, I think that's fair. I look, you've given you've given me some perspective, and I've looked at it in a you know with the fresh eyes and in a different light, and I can I can definitely see where you're coming from. So yeah, it's a concern. Certainly, it's a concern. I'll uh, I'll uh, take that on board. Just because it was <clears throat> somewhat relevant um, to that point, but there was actually one. One question that was asked in reply to, to one of the tweets you made off the off the account yesterday, which I wanted to get to real quick. Alan was asking on Twitter, yes. um, can we discuss whether or not there's any change in terms of discipline from last season to this season? Um, yes, yeah, seeming like it was completely lacking with the performance yesterday. Um, what do you think? What, what do you? How do you feel on that one? Yeah, it, it's a really um, it's a really tough one to answer, isn't it? Because it, it, it it's all entirely subjective based on on what you use to use to judge it I think isn't it um is who kind of throwing his arms around and whinging off the goal going in uh, you know a, a discipline issue is you know how do you kind of define discipline in this in this instance I don't know Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing mint mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 ready to get 20 20 ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What the answer is, to be honest, I must have, when I saw this question, I said, yes, we'll answer it. But I kind of dreaded, I kind of dreaded, um, dreaded trying to come up with a, with a, uh, with a proper answer for it. I think in terms of the kind of, you know, timekeeping and stuff like that, the obvious kind of stuff, there's obviously been issues. I don't want to say problems. That sounds like a widespread thing that we discussed last week. But in terms of on the field and the way they display, you know, the way they kind of display their emotions and the way they act and react and kind of displays a petulance and stuff like that, I kind of think, well, we saw this with Hoot at times last season. We saw Backman kind of throw his toys out his pram last season. So they're still here. Is it a massive surprise? But I don't know if I don't know if I have a, a great issue with it. I suppose that it's a question that a, psych- a sports psychologist might, you know, answer and say, "Well, yeah, this is you know this is a problem." Them kind of showing they can't control their emotion and decision making off the back of it goes awry or, or whatever. I don't, I don't, I'm a really tough one to answer. What do you think? There you go. I've, I've bottled it and handed it back to you. Well, no, I think it's an interesting question. I think you know we've seen evidence at times to suggest that it's improved, and then we've also seen the contrary of that yesterday. And I think when things are going well, and we, I think the big difference for me is. That 
when we're in that that initial shape that we have, and I think everyone feels relatively confident on on their roles, the message is quite clear. And I think the, the head coach and the coaching team in general have done a good job of, of getting those ideas across and, and making it very clear what's expected. I think the, the problem is, I do think there's a, there are elements of the squad. There are players within the squad, you know, like the ones that are outlined there, who you know, potentially Porteous at times, Backman, mm-hmm. that do give up responsibility on occasion. You know, whether that's reaction to goals, whether that's you know the reaction to kind of in-game situations. There have been a few times where you know who's got the ball spun in behind him. He just kind of like accepted the defeat and just kind of turned and jogged back in. And you know those levels of um, of application, I think, are disappointing. Especially when you point to those as something which you'd expect to be resolved by Ismail and something where he talks about quite firmly as, as not being acceptable. But we've seen it a few times, and I think you do have to question. You know, ca- can we or should we be eradicating that already by now? You know, should we still be seeing those sorts of things? And I think it's fair to say we shouldn't be. Um, mm. But, you know, I think yesterday, yesterday it seemed like a team where they, they knew things weren't working. They could see that it wasn't working and, and no one across that back line really stepped up to, to, to kind of change the, change the, or turn the tide somewhat. It felt like an acceptance of, of poor, or it felt like an acceptance of below standard performance. And I think that's something we can't, we can't see. We needed some, some leadership there, someone just to, to be able to kind of influence that back line, not just the back line, but influence that team. And you, know, you want that to be your captain. And you know, we've talked about the role of captaincy quite a lot and, and how difficult it is to, to gauge perhaps and, uh, and so on. But you know, yesterday was the opportunity for for someone to be able to do that, and I think we didn't see it, and that that's frustrating. And you know, partly it's on the head coach, but I think it's also partly on the players that are on the field there. And you know, these, some of these guys are in that that leadership team we've discussed, you know, in the, in the mm-hmm. previous episode. And it doesn't have to be kind of you know screaming on the pitch and and pulling players into position, but you know, it just takes some accountability, and it is a bit of a concern, I think. In terms of the just nipping back to the 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 game itself in in the mechanics of that the 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 front two did that work for you what what did what did we make of it it felt like Ryovic had his toughest game yet and I wonder if with the juxtaposition of of Bio looking quite dangerous at times I think yeah if there will be a bit of thought now about what what happens there going forward, whereas before it felt like it was Ryovic at all costs. Yeah, see, um, I, I feel like we played with two lone strikers. Yeah, <clears throat> yesterday it yeah. felt like you know there was no there was they they almost occupied like a left striker and right striker position, and we just had no interplay. There was no not that we had much build up to capitalize or to even kind of harness this sort of play, but there was no look to to be involved with each other. There's one opportunity or one occasion where they kind of got a bit tangled up and almost looked surprised to see the other on the pitch apart from that it was very um very isolated and i think bio had a good game actually i think he was dangerous and he he did work hard he pressed well probably the best of the players in the pitch in terms of off the ball work and in that sense but you know he looked to cause issues and he did when he got when he got in possession he was awkward and you know obviously excuse me we can talk about the missed shot that was that was obviously not not great but he did take the goals before that as well and i think he was good i think what you said on ravich was Accurate. I think that was his his worst game by far. You know, we've not seen much from him mm. outside of the goal scoring in, in games, just because we haven't really required that. And we've you know we've had similar issues with Bio too. We've not been able to get the ball into them consistently. But I thought you know being a little bit more direct, um, playing with two, so just having a little bit less kind of a f- defensive focus on him. He did get on the ball a little bit more, but I thought he was disappointing when he did. I thought he looked quite below the standard yesterday you know maybe it's a one-off game we, we don't know for sure we, we're still trying to assess what kind of level he's at and you know he's been productive for us so far so we can't write him off completely but I thought yesterday he looked he looked slow um he, he's he he didn't have much conviction in his in possession um things weren't sticking to him I, I just thought it was a, a really poor poor game from him um, I, I was quite disappointed in, in Ravic in particular. Yeah, I, I agree totally. He was he was a non-entity, wasn't he? Really, I I said to my friend at one point, I was like, I bloody hell, I almost forgot he was on the field. It was it was absolutely no surprise to see him hooked at, at half time. I thought we looked far more dangerous with the change of shape and and Bayo playing through the middle on his own. Um, it felt like one of his more effective games. And I don't know if that was purely down to, as you say, kind of being a bit more direct and getting the ball in Tim a bit earlier. Typically, we then obviously played with kind of two wingers in in uh, Espria and um, Taz Martins. Martins and, on, and yeah. you know, there's a little yeah. bit more kind of threat in terms of putting balls into the box that Ryovic would have probably thrived on. And, and and the chance that Bayer has with his head, I suspect, although he forces a good save from Senna Dieng, I suspect Ryovic would have, you know, bitten your arm off to have an opportunity like that. 
do we think there's a future for those two together then, or is it likely to be one or the other? And where does Reese Healy slot into all of this? Because we, we finally got to see him, albeit for sort of five minutes. Yeah, I mean, this is something we discussed previously. I think we had a question uh, before about the, the possibility of playing a front two. And I think, you know, one of the issues is they, they are similar in the sense that they both look to, to to attack the box and, you know, capitalize on opportunities, you know, crosses into the box and so on. I don't think interplay is a, is a major aspect of either of their games from what I've seen so far. I, and I, yesterday was partly, you know, tactical as to why they weren't in a position to to support each other as much as you'd, you'd hope. But I, I didn't love what I saw from them as a partnership and I didn't didn't fill me with hope for that potential. You know, Healy, you might look at as a different option in there. You know, maybe he makes that front two a little bit more viable. Uh, he's someone that can maybe carry the ball a little bit more, plays a little bit more, you know, plays a little bit more pace, things that are a bit of a higher gear than, than those two. Um, but, you know, I think looking at Healy when he signed, you know, going back and looking at his time in, in, in the Football League and also in France, I really like what he brings to the table as, as a striker that can take players on or can play at a tempo, play at a speed, carry the ball and, and get shots away quickly. I think that'd be really useful for this team, whether or not we can utilize it in the front two. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I did think for a while, maybe we'd even see him as a, as a wide option. If we play a little bit more of a narrow position in, in those wide areas, which we haven't quite seen yet. Um, but he, he, he's someone that can contribute at this point though. I'm, I'm not convinced that a front two is the way. You know, given that we're probably not going to play four four two at any point, I would imagine, uh, based on how we've seemed to to like to use possession, it wouldn't really work for us at this point. So I, I would be hesitant to take away any of the wingers. You know, I'd, I'd be hesitant to take away Martins. Um, I'd be hesitant to take away even someone like Tom Ince who came on. I thought he was he was good when he came on. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't really see this this front two being something we come back to too too often. But I might be wrong. If if I am wrong, I'm curious to see how we fit in our best players because we, we again we we saw what happened. We left Martins out today. Yeah. I would feel that would be a consistent problem. This is the thing I think, isn't it? That I think most people would probably uh, agree with Chime with that. It's all very well and good trying something different, and you know for whatever reason he did it fine. You better to to do that than the, the old definition of insanity kind of approach. But you would reasonably assume that any change would still find a way to incorporate someone who has been one of, if not our best player of the season so far in Mateus Martins. And to, to kind of bench him on that basis was was absolutely, it was baffling to me. You can't even say it came off the back of a, a run of poor form or anything, because I still think he's been our best player. And, and he lifted things immediately when he came on. It probably didn't get picked up but he um, won a corner fairly early on after coming on and was kind of pumping up the rookery, you know, lifting his arms and saying, come on, get behind us. Obviously nearly scored. He was he was generally our biggest threat and he only played 45 minutes. So uh, yeah, I think, I think that was a slightly strange decision and I suspect not one that will be repeated anytime soon. Um, let's just finish up on this game with a quick bit of discussion about the um, the back three, if you don't mind. And particularly, I wanted to kind of pay attention to Porteous in that. Uh, he's, we've mentioned the outside centre-backs already. Collectively, didn't feel like they had a great game, but Porteous in particular seems to be having a rough patch. Is, is, is that fair? What do we do? Is there anything we can do, given... The only other kind of senior centre back, truly senior centre back, is playing in midfield, and then it's it's down to Matty Pollock, who's not played many games at this level. Yeah, I think that I think we've I, I tried to beat a dead horse with this because I've talked about the centre back play a fair bit, but I think I, I think this, the standard of centre back play from who and and Portis has been relatively poor. But I will caveat and say it is a, a tough ask. You know, we're, we're putting them in a really difficult position to play. Um, maybe less so this game. You know, they got a bit more a bit more insurance than this one. But previous, you know, prior to this game, they are very exposed. Oftentimes they're that they're that last line of defense quite hard at the pitch. Oftentimes it's you know three on three or, or two on three sometimes. And they have to really be precise. They have to win that first contact and they've also got to be able to cover. And it's it's a lot to ask for two centre backs that I wouldn't say you know are the most mobile and and can necessarily do that job um on every occasion so uh, yeah firstly you know it's a difficult job but having said that there have been lots of occasions where it it has been poor and I think yesterday was another poor game for both I know Wesley who got the goal obviously that was you know extremely helpful at the time but I I think he looked really poor in space um as did Porteous I think it's definitely something we have to address but you know if you if you're going to protect that centre-back position you're going to kind of you know make it a little bit more solid you're you're talking about being a little bit more conservative and you know maybe not being as as offensively minded with the fullbacks if we if we go back to that back four um allowing them to have a little bit more cover there you know I think I think Porteous is 
capable in a more traditional back four, you know, where he's got less responsibility and and less space to work in. Um, mm. But yeah, this this is. I'd say probably a, a case of some some bad individual performances mixed in with a bit of a mismatch tactically, yeah. Um, which is obviously a problem when when you're talking about the the entire defence. You know, you could also argue the same thing with the goalkeeper too. But yeah, what 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 were your thoughts on on Porteous? Yeah, well, it definitely wasn't a good game for him. A friend of mine text me he sits in the, the lower GT and he said Porteous is the worst defender I've ever central defender I've ever seen us play for us he's a long term <laughs> fan I said I, I think you're forgetting Cedric Avignal who was d- diabolical in his one appearance away at Reading about 15 years ago um, and I'm sure there have been plenty plenty of others um, and he said okay I'll rephrase it the most brain dead in terms of just sort of diving in without any kind of thought yeah. or of the consequence and you know writhing around on the floor and, and so on. And to be fair, I, I, I think yeah. if you kind of frame it like that, yeah, I can I can sort of see, don't know about the worst ever, uh, anything, but um, I can sort of see where he's coming from. It feels like at times maybe an overcompensation for error and, and maybe this is where the kind of discipline and psychology point of view, that point that I was trying to make earlier yeah. comes into play that, you, you know, you go so hard to rectify, atone for an error that you then just end up making a further error and 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 so on and so forth. But I'm not really sure, that, as you say, apart from going back to a four four or a back four, I should say, not four four two, bloody hell. Um, I'm not really sure what the the answer is because we are we are very short there, and I would still rather see. Sierra Alta at number six than anyone else at the moment, which obviously takes him out of the reckoning for centre half. Um, we had a question from Vic Bait on Twitter, which kind of ties into this a little bit as well, which I will ask you one for the pod if you haven't already recorded, putting aside the skill set of the players. Do we have the right characters for the championship? They're all too passive or nice. Exceptions, perhaps Porteous and Hoyt, who generally let their aggression out in the wrong way. If you look at some of the teams that have done well at this level, they've been hard to intimidate, physically strong, and prepared to take responsibility and want the ball. We have a collection of nice, timid players with a smattering of technique throughout the squad. What do you make of that from Vic? Is, is that a fair assessment of the of the situation? And, and, and does that probably tie in with what we've just said about Porteous, but it's also probably accurate to say about Hoyt at times, who at times, and there was something that we were kind of warned about by by Anderlecht fans when he signed as well. I think. Yeah, I think it, it ties back into that question um, from Alan as well about the the kind of discipline and and what you just touched on with Portis there too, where that is an element of discipline as well, isn't it? And, yeah. You know, I think that that goes hand in hand with with Vic's question as well. Um, yeah, I know what he means. Like, I I I understand that that feeling. Um, we do look like that at times. I think there's a there, there can be too much weight placed on experience championship experience and so on but when you see a team that looks quite naive at times like we do you, you do really kind of feel that void um kind of lacking that i mean i don't really like the term winner but it does feel like we we lack a few players that know what what is what it takes to to get through certain kind of in-game situations and get us through bad moments mm. you know bad spells whether it's multiple runs of games or you know bad 10 minutes in games we have a little bit of naivety there and you know part of it might be the the, the mentality of some of the players potentially I think it's probably an issue uh, you see fairly regularly in you know, modern football in inverted quotes I think it's definitely changed a little bit but no I, I think that's that's a fair assessment and I think you could you know if you're if you're a recruitment guy you you know that's a, that's a genuine aspect you're considering when you're when you're building a team and i think that's maybe something that is a little bit overlooked at times and we have some of those players in the squad potentially but you know we want those to be players that are, are justifying getting on the pitch for their their playing ability too you know you can't you can't say the, the Jake Livermore's of the world are, are enough in in that sense we have to have players that are on the pitch and able to able to display that sort of um that sort of character and i, I think we can be a little light and you know that's that's been an issue that's gone back possibly you know, ten years or or more at times, we've we've been those kind of guys have been too few and far between for us. But you know, right now, I think that's a that's a fair point. No, I couldn't couldn't. I'm not sure that answers it. the question or not, but it's in and around it. And I, I tend to, I do tend to agree. Um, final thing then. We've got Sunderland on Wednesday night away and then Cardiff away on Saturday. They're both in decent nick. Uh, Cardiff more surprisingly than Sunderland. There's inevitably been some kind of discussion around Ismail's future. We are a point above the relegation zone. We obviously know that there is a, an international break after those two games and that that is when Pozzo has historically sacked managers. It's usually the first international break of the season. So he successfully navigated that. And at that point, we were 
kind of reading about potential for a new contract or a contract extension. What do we expect from these two games, particularly Sunderland as it's kind of around the corner? And 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 should Ishmael and will Ishmael be coming under pressure if we don't get decent results and or performances from these these next two, which look like some of our tougher games in recent weeks? Yeah, I mean, obviously two really tough games um, on paper, at least. It's, you know, you expect it to be quite difficult for us to, to come away with six points by any means. But... Um... I think the thing is with us is up until the last couple of games, I'd say our performances have been good enough to win any of the games we've played in. And, you know, if things have gone differently, if we were more clinical, if we were, you know, cut out some mistakes, you could play those games over and we could we could win win any of them by three goals. We could lose any of them by three goals at times. It feels like that sort of team. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I find that a positive based on a comparison to where we were last year in in, in many situations. But in, in terms of the pressure he'd face, you know, I, I just don't... I've been relatively impressed with, with a lot of what I've seen from Ismail. I like I like a lot of what he brings. I'm impressed with how him and his staff have managed to get their idea of what they want to do across to the team as, as early as they did. I think they were effective in teams in pre-season. You know, they're working with a group of players that are below the standard they'd want in certain areas, thin in other areas too. But they, they they've done well to bring a team around who have been playing very differently for a number of years uh, and get them on board with a certain style of play and I think if you support that properly over time then you can make it an effective um, an effective choice and, and one that is worth backing you know maybe that could change if we if we don't see some improvement in, in certain areas from the coaching staff as well there's still is room to adapt but for the most part I think he's actually done a relatively good job which I know people would laugh at and say look at the table um, which is a fair point to make but I, I think we have to really look at how big of a task it was to do what he did. And you know, he's trying to execute the remit that he was given. And I think he's actually doing an okay job of it. I think the performances have, have been unfortunate not to find us in a better position at times. I think if you're the owner looking at the situation, you decide it's just a coaching issue and you can you can resolve this and make us a playoff contending team by changing the coach. I think A, it's a really short-term view, but I also think it's quite it's quite poorly concluded. I don't think that's accurate at all. I think we'd find ourselves in in potentially a worse situation. So, you know, if, if I'm if I'm in his position, I'm I'm thinking, how do I how do I make this team better over the next few windows? How do I mitigate some of these issues we're seeing and, and the head coach has, rather than can we move on from him and bring someone else in? I just think it'd be a, a kind of foolish move, personally. What what about you? Yeah, I think the interesting thing here is that they've said previously and and they kind of reiterated I think this summer that the be all and end all what they really judge on is the kind of work that they sit the training ground you know the the coaching how the coach works with the players the alignment to use a Scott Duxburyism it's not you know it's not as simple as just kind of wins and losses um and and hence we've seen changes at surprising times in the past and I think if that's genuinely true and if we take them at face value then you have to say um all right fine then he should be he should be safe because I do think there's signs there we've seen that we've had good performances we've had good periods in in games and um some good results then yeah I think you've got to you've got to buy into it a little bit longer there's a metric on on um y scale which is expected points or, or they have an expected points uh, model on on Y Scout, and they that would have us comfortably in the top half. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, tenth, tenth, in fact. Um, on 12.7 points obviously not a real measure we've obviously got nine points from two wins and and three draws so you know nearly four points better off if we're using that model and I think as long as it's things like that that are pointing in the in the right direction then I'm personally here for a little bit of a bumpy road if it takes us somewhere we ultimately want to go you know um I would have been in the same boat last season with with Rob Edwards to be fair and and some of the underlying data I think we're we're probably not getting the results that performances deserve certainly prior to the weekend I posted some some stats and and kind of compared to the whole division Watford are one of the better defenses you know the expected goals against value was something like the the seventh best in in the league so you know all right we've conceded more goals than we should have and that is where you'd say you know poor goalkeeping etc bit of luck for opposing forwards but it's things like that if that kind of swings for you and these things do tend to to swing around eventually then perhaps we'd be in a lot better position and it's it's very difficult to separate performances from results I think for supporters at the end of the day and, and pundits and so on isn't it so it's a very long way of saying I would like him not to be under pressure I would very much like him to be here 
in a couple of games' time. And actually, I do think, prepared to look foolish on this one, I do think that there has been a change of mentality in how Potso and co look at it, but I'll, I'll quite prepare to end up with egg on my face there. Well, I really hope so. I think, I, I, I believe that's the case for a lot of people involved at the club. The question will always be if it's the case for Gino or not. And I think it's difficult when, you know, when we're looking at these games one by one, week by week, you know, people are going to the games, it's coming a lot of time to reach individual match and so on. It's hard to kind of take a step back and look at this as, as a bigger picture. And, you know, some might argue if you look at this as a bigger picture, we're still towards the bottom end of the table and that's a bad thing and look, there's, a, there's a train of thought which I think is justified to, to say that's too concerning to, to stick with or the needs to be changed and so on but I, I think the general approach has been good and I, I think he is doing a lot of the right things as a coach and I think we just have to be able to see incremental improvement we also have to support that um, you know, in the market, of course, you know, building the squad and so on. He's he's not in a perfect position right now, and that's on the ownership. That's on uh, on him to, to kind of come to terms with that as to why it's you know why Ismo hasn't got what he needs potentially to to fulfil the expectation. And I think it's also without being on the inside, we don't know exactly what the expectations are. I think as fans, I did a poll a couple of days ago and just to kind of gauge everyone's opinions on you know where they kind of thought we should or would be coming into this season. I think around mm-hmm. mid table was was pretty much the the general concern. Census. And I think you, know, you look at the table, you look at the points and that is essentially where we are. Um, we, we're not far off that. And I think people get a little bit antsy and, and, and feel a little bit that pressure when we are towards that bottom end. But if, if this is a season, if this is what's required to allow us to, to kind of create a footing and, and kickstart a little bit of progression over the next couple of seasons to put us in a place where we are a sustainable team that can move on players, that can bring players in, we can we can move around coaches and still be pushing in the same direction and, and have that level of progression, then it's worth it. The question is, if we don't back that, if we don't kind of see it through, then it's not worth it. We are wasting time and we are sitting in 20th or close to for no reason, you know? And it, I think whatever happens over the next couple of weeks could be very telling as to as to what the the owner thinks in terms of is it a rebuild is it another roll of the dice you know what what, what are we really doing is he half in is he allowing Scott to go off and and bring Ben Manga in and, and change some ideas but is he really letting them do it is it still his his operation which at the end of the day is going to come down to his gut uh, it, it's tough to tell but I think you know we'll find out pretty soon excellent well look this- thank you f- Thank you for listening. You can get more from us at Watford Pod on Twitter or via our personal Twitter accounts, which are at Jordan Weimer, at TB Burdell and at Messi Messiano. And finally, if you want to go that extra mile in supporting the show, you can subscribe to our Patreon, search Watford Buzz podcast on there and you'll find a couple of different tiers that you can uh, subscribe to to support us and get the shows advert free as well. In the meantime, we'll be back Hopefully next week we may even squeeze a bonus one in after the Sunderland game. I think it's on telly, isn't it, Sunderland? I've got a feeling on Wednesday night. So we may very well be able to do a quick one post that as well. So keep your uh, keep your eyes peeled and obviously catch us on all the usual places that you get your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks for listening and we will speak soon. All right. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no 
no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.